Our series, A Nation in Moral Crisis, continues next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Bible Church in Hercules, greetings and welcome to Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. A nation in moral crisis, that's the title of our series. Currently, we're taking a look at the home and where this cure for this moral crisis will begin. As the heart goes, so goes the home. And then at the close of our broadcast, we'll spend a few minutes with Pastor Phil here in studio. Right now, let's catch up with him as we continue our look at the home and why it's so crucial that we start there. Here's today's broadcast of Truth For Today. My memory is an iron worker dad that came home at night, threw a metal hat down on the floor, woke everybody in the house. It's in the evening. It was nerve-wracking. Why he didn't just put it down? He threw it down. I'm the head of this house. And then being up at 6.30 in the morning on Saturday and Sunday when they ought to be sleeping in, they climb and steal all week, but we could hear him shouting downstairs at 6.30 in the morning on Saturday. I've been out boogieing, going to rock and roll dance. Don't be waking us up on Saturday morning. But he's up, and he's reading the Bible, only had one eye. And when you walk to that kitchen where he was reading, there ain't nobody. Ain't no Howard kid going to survive without stopping and getting permission. Because he was talking to the living God, hearing his word, and he would crack a knot in your tail if you didn't stop. Now, he he was pre-Spock. He read Proverbs before he read Spock. Whatever, you better hear me, boy. I've talked to the living God. You don't dance through my kitchen when I'm reading about this God. Your home isn't that way. Don't have the guts. Don't have the convictions. We're just nice. Give them everything they want. Memories. We all have memories. But he's telling them, oh, Israel, you're going to be swallowed up by the nations. You're going to be swallowed up by other religions. Your boys and girls are going to be offered to Moloch. Your kids are going to be sacrificed on the pagan altars of immorality and greed. I'm telling you, mom and dad, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart or you won't do the rest of what I'm going to tell you. And if you love him with all your heart, too, I want you to impress your children with it. My second question is, are there any teachers of your children in your home? Look what he says. These words which I'm commanding you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The word here, teach them diligently, it's an interesting Hebrew word. The word diligently here, it was used of sharpening a sword or sharpening the arrowhead. And it literally meant to make sharp. It was used of a sharp tongue. And the idea, uh, let me give you the, the exact Hebrew word there. Uh, it came from a Hebrew word, sanan, and it was used of repetition. You sharpen it by repetition, back and forth. Let's say on the grindstone, whatever. Or 
metal against metal, sharpening it. And it was used of, again, repetition, say it again. When he's saying teach them, it means repeatedly, once over and over and over until you sharpen them. Like you would a sword, an arrow, teach, repeat, teach, repeat, teach, repeat. Don't say it once. Say it until they get it memorized. Do this diligently to your children. That's the formal. You're going to get this. And then he said, let me tell you informally what you do. Uh, once you get past family torture, I mean devotions, uh, then you should talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Well, when aren't you teaching? <laughs> Never. Never. Christianity isn't something you pick up once a week. I put in my dues. I stayed awake. And I dropped change in the offering. God ought to be impressed. God's not impressed, and your heart is cold. You might not know this. God wants all of you. I said, God wants all of you. You got all of him in Jesus. He gave his best. And if he's got all your heart and you're not divided, uh, you're there teaching. And when you go along the way, you know, I, I was raised in a semi-normal, mixed-up, dysfunctional, non-perfectionistic home. Is that good enough for you? I mean, there's somewhere. But the memories I remember, I mean, I remember making trips to my dad's mother, or not his mother, but his sister. She lived in the hills of Oklahoma. So far back, you drew water. I loved it as a kid, but I'm sure glad I didn't grow up there. Outhouses. We swam in springs that just came up out of the ground. You, you didn't have, need a river. There were just springs that just came up. It was incredible swimming. Horses. Oh, I mean, it was, it was going back 100 years, what I thought, you know, Little House on the Prairie was. But you know what? When we got in the car, let's say on this trip, Mom, Dad, Hazel, and I, well, she'd always carry a ukulele in the car. We, we sang halfway there. I mean, that's from California to death. It's just a singing fest, testimony fest. This, that. It's, the conversation never ended about him. You see, we hadn't become bored yet with God. We just need to be Christians a little bit longer and we get bored. And, and it was, I, I love being raised by an older generation. All you brats, if your folks didn't come through hard times, you don't know what you missed. Because I heard all the stories of how they got through. How deacons fed my mom and dad through the depression in Kansas. And when they buried their boys and couldn't pay for the funeral, poor saints helped them pay for the funeral. Not to, not, nothing to make you proud about. That's a humiliating story. But when you're poor, you can't afford too much pride. I said, you mean God loved us when we were broke? Yeah. Yeah. Israel, I loved you down there in Egypt. I loved you down there when you were under a taskmaster 
that had no use for you or your children, hated you being in Egypt. I redeemed you with a mighty hand when you were but slaves and you could never have delivered yourself. Now, all I'm saying, when you get in the land, keep telling your children, keep telling your children that your God's a great redeemer, that he stooped to bring you out. He stooped to bring you out. He stooped to bring you out. And I've got a story of redemption. I never was in Egypt, but I had some years in sin. I was a slave of Satan. I would have gone to hell, but I was surrounded by people who said, we're going to tell you about the Redeemer. We're going to tell you about the, we don't have a lot of money, a lot of education, and a lot of status, but we're going to tell you what we know. He brought us a mighty long way. He brought us a mighty long way. He brought us from nothing. He brought us from nothing. Now, I ask you, what are you telling your kids and all your prosperity? You tell them about your 401k? You tell them about your bonus? So what? So what? What they need to hear about is your God that saved you. Do you ever tell your kids how God saved you? Did you ever tell them when you fell in love with him? Who else is going to tell your story? Tell them. And your kids are going to get bored with it. Pretty soon they're going to say, here goes number nine. I've heard this before. Here goes number three. I've heard that one. And you know what you do? As long as you're raising them, you just grab them by the lapels. As long as you live here, you're going to hear it. And when you get tired of hearing it, you start paying rent. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Quit caving in. Quit. Don't let them raise you. You raise them. I'm trying to feel strongly about these things, but... I'll try to be a little calmer, but I'm lying. I am not trying to be calm. You see, William Bennett, I never forget the speech that I came back to the church and preached on this. When I heard William Bennett, who was then the Secretary of Education, I believe he was under Clinton, uh, maybe back to Reagan, a powerful Catholic educator. I heard him give a lecture when I was in Dallas Seminary. And the title of his lecture was, your children are being kidnapped. And he shared this. Parents, all you get to do is clothe and feed your children and watch the culture kidnap their soul. Because your kids don't have your values. They don't have your perspective. They don't have your convictions. You get to feed, clothe, and buy them iPhones. But the culture is what's grabbing their soul. And his title was, The Kidnappers Are Here. And I just say, especially to that young family person, don't let the culture kidnap your kids. And they are stealing them left and right. Talk of your God. Don't talk about, oh, I hope Elsa Brandy Christian will really get my kids. That's nice. That's a bonus. But what about you? And by the way, dads, I, I just heard a thing a while back. I don't know if it's still true. They asked a counseling center in Southern California that Clyde Nairmore used to run. They asked him, what was your number one counseling problem? And he said, oh, there's no question, passive males. What? Passive males. They work, they come home, and they are not engaged in what happens in the home. That may have changed a lot. My son-in-laws have changed a lot more diapers than I ever did. Hallelujah. I'm glad they grew up. I was spared. I did three. 
You're not impressed. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of men are involved that way, much more because you got the woman in the workforce. But both parents, if you just had, if you only have one parent, there's hope. If you got both, wow, that's double duty. Both of you pouring yourself. Sure, it'd be great if a man would teach his boy morals. Mama can do it. Ask me who taught me morals the most. My ma, not my mom, my auntie, who is the pastor's wife, and my single, never-to-marry sister. She, when I was meeting Carolyn, first one to date, I, I had to give an outline to her before every date where I was going to take her, what we were going to do. I was 18, and I, I took her with every gift I ever bought Carolyn. I took Hazel because I wanted to look good. She knew what a girl liked. I got a single sis telling me how to date a girl. That's all right. She had it right. She feared God. She told me the biblical way. So I brought my wife to marriage and honor. And uh, if I didn't marry her, I'd have to, no apologies to make. I treat her like a blood-bought child of God. Somebody's got to teach her. Is there any teacher in your home? Besides the TV, besides tech. Because here is what we face today. The mama is out of the home, and she comes as home as tired as the man because the Industrial Revolution in World War II put the mother in the workforce. And oh, what a fallout we've lived with that. Uh, three things. Teach your children. Talk to them. And it goes ahead and said, publish the word of God in your home. Publish the word of God. Put it on display. Now, what's on display in most homes today? TV. Do you remember when TV came out? I, I am pre-TV. My sister Ruth and I sat in front of a radio and listened to a Tom Mix, Lone Ranger. Anybody ever listen to radio programs? You're, you're, you look good. You look older than me, but you look good. I mean, we, we knew all the radio broadcasts. I remember black and white. Flash Gordon, oh, how he changed my life. I'll tell you who really changed my life was Annette Funicello. I mean, I was in love with her for 10 years. I bought Mouseketeers just to meet Annette. You know, man, captured by this box that brought live stream images and a nation fell for it. And we're all the TV generation. Six to seven hours a day, an average consumption. So who's teaching your children when you don't feel like it? The box? Whatever its message. You can only watch so much Animal World. You can only watch so much Fox News. See, the dangers you face. TV, here's another thing. I wish I could get more gospel on this, but I'm talking to you about your home. If Christ is first in your life, could he show up on the menu? Could he show up in the curriculum you've got? Uh, what about dinner? Do any of you eat together? When I grew up, we all ate together. Did any of you grow up that way where you ate together for the evening meal? How many of you don't eat? No, that's okay. There's a lot of folks, they, they, they just, that is almost archaic. 
no, no, no. And they, I hear these scenarios. I eat uh, in my bedroom. I have my own TV. That's not uncommon. Uh, or we all eat around the TV while we're eating. Uh, both in the home I grew up in, which was semi-normal, dysfunctional, fallen, sinner, going to hell without God until Christ saved us. Just messed up folks who met Christ, like you. And uh, we all met at the table at night, and so did my kids. But when they would bring their girlfriends over, they, they, this was something else that we all sat around the table at night and talked about everything under the sun. We talked about subjects we didn't know anything about and talked for two hours. And that's where the guts and the heart of each one was made manifest. I was always scared of kids that didn't talk because I don't know what's in your heart till you open your mouth. So all you quiet folks get credit for being godly. You're just rascals. You're getting ready to bomb the place. We don't know what's going on. Let's say iPhones, computers. Uh, are you able to control the technology that's unleashed in your home and to your kids? You bought it. You pay the bill. Somebody's talking to them. I, it scares me to think a 14-year-old boy can punch one button and see all the naked women he wants to for the next eight hours. Pornography is that close. I thought it's big if we can get some guy to buy us a Playboy at a liquor store. You don't need someone to buy a Playboy. Just one, two. I know. Because guess what? The porno business makes more money in this country than all the movies coming out of Hollywood plus Las Vegas. That's how much money is made by photographing naked people that the American public are buying. So who are we kidding? And I want to give my kid the power to access this. The big question is, Dad, do you? Because many a man, many a pastor have found themselves addicted to this idol called pornography. This is the day we live in. Uh, schools, do you trust schools to teach your kids about God? What about peers? You're running with peers. Uh, my kid said, we had a lot of friends, but we never learned about God from our peers. We had to run with people older than us to learn about God because our peers were caught up in the same sins and temptations as we were. We, that's why I'm looking forward that we're bringing our young people in here August 18th to be in the second service to worship. I think it's time our young people were exposed to the older part of the church. They need us. They need us in their life. We're, and I thank God for the youth men and their, their spirit of uh, cooperation. It's going to be good. I would add some things if I were you. We got great youth groups. We got children's ministries. Thank God for every Christian school we have. Uh, I, I would uh, pick what kind of music goes on in your house. But that means you'd be in charge. See if you can get their permission. Uh, uh, try to expose your kids to good things. I must wrap up. Let's go, go to 2 Timothy. That my third question is, are your kids ever exposed to any credible Christians beyond you, hoping you're one of those? But if you're not, and I have to say, one of the great shaping influences in my own children's lives is the kind of people that were in our home and that we ran with. Listen to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. 
Paul writing to his son in the gospel, a boy that had a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. The father's probably unsaved man. Paul had to get Timothy circumcised to do Jewish evangelism. They didn't want to stumble the Jews. So he was, grew up in mixed ethnicity, mixed religious home. I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. So, Grandma and Mom were credible witnesses in front of Timothy, and Paul uses in chapter 3, verse 10, describing how bad the end times will be, but he tells Timothy, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. As it happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystria. Persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, here's what happened. Timothy, you've been influenced by two generations in your house, both women, grandmother, mother, two Jewish believers that came to Christ. You saw the model. Thank God for women who take a stand for God in the home, even whether the husband's saved or not. Woman, don't give up. Your husband could stay your husband but he's not worth letting your kids go to hell for it. You better stand up and be counted. Be the best wife you know how to be, but don't sacrifice your kids to Moloch and to the gods that maybe captivate even your husband. Pray for him. Try to model Christ. But Timothy, you've seen the real thing modeled in grandma and mom. And then you've seen it modeled in me because I have the kind of faith for which I would even suffer to hold it. And that's what most of our kids have never seen in us. They've never seen enough conviction about God that we'd ever suffer for it. Because we're in the let the good times roll kind of church life. We're in prosperity gospel. We're in the sassy, prosperous time of America while we're in decline. I ask you this. Is there anybody in your home who loves God? with all their heart. Do you love your job more? Do you love your hobbies more? What do you love the most in that house? Who's teaching your kids? Quit depending on us. Quit depending on the schools. What happened to you? Who fired you? Who fired you? Your schedule? Your busyness? Oh, they'll get it. No, 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 no. Just assume you're living in a pagan land, and you are, and it's left up to you. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. As we close out our time together today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. How does this broadcast encourage you in Christ? Please get a hold of us and let us know. If you'd like a copy of today's broadcast or the series it was taken from, again, we'd love to help you out. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. 
or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. You're also welcome to join us at either one of our services Sundays at 9 or 11. For details, simply go to our website, valleybible.org. Again, valleybible.org. And for some real-life examples to live through and in this crisis that we find ourselves in and that you've been addressing in this series, Pastor Phil, give us a bit more as we close out our time together today. Well, our nation uh, is in a crisis, uh, as all the nations are. Uh, Ever since our rebellion in the Garden of Eden, God has been giving men up to do whatever they want. And when they do that, it creates crises, conflict, dysfunction, uh, homes in danger, marriages falling apart. And one doesn't have to be a prophet today to see the chaos and the carnage around us when the uh, psychiatrist bench is filled with people trying to save themselves, uh, uh, having advanced degrees but can't keep a marriage going. Uh, We're in crises and the issue is who can get us out of it? Uh, where's the cure? Uh, load us up on prescription drugs, load us up on uh, psychotherapy, and still to be in chaos. And so we've been trying in this series on the moral crises of a nation to pick certain scriptures that describe this downward fall of man and those passages that address us how to rescue ourselves from this cesspool. Thank you, Pastor Phil. And friend, thank you for joining us here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Until next week, God bless.